Good morning. We'll be looking at six different verses in Proverbs. It's not um, just one passage, so just be ready and prepare to, to flick the pages through. So the first one is from Proverbs uh, chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. The following one is from Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you move on to Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs 27, verse 5 to 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 27, verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. And the last one is from Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Why don't I pray before I begin? Father God, we give thanks as we gather here this Sunday morning. Father, we pray now as we open up your book of the book of Proverbs, Lord, that you would speak to us. This book of wisdom, you would fill, it, fill us with its wisdom. Father, I pray that you would speak with me through me now. In your son's precious name. Amen. Now I'm sure when you saw that I was preaching on Proverbs on the topic of love, you may have assumed that I was going to talk about my wedding. Bit of a curveball this morning. Uh, I'm actually going to talk about friendship. Um, so just to keep you on your toes, hopefully you picked that up from the readings that Katia uh, read for us earlier. Um, and speaking of friends, yesterday, and this is a bit of a reference to my wedding, is I got to spend the day hanging out with my friends as we celebrate uh, my wedding in a few weeks. I got to go on my stag, and we had the opportunity to hang out um, go clay pigeon shooting, which I wasn't terrible at, which surprised me, um, eat good food and spend the day watching the rugby in the pub. So an ideal day for me in many ways. Um, some of these guys I have known my entire life. Uh, I've known them through school, through university, through church. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to maybe see each other as much as we'd like recently. Uh, COVID, we're spread across the, spread across the country and the world. Uh, people have families, they have other commitments. So I really cherish these opportunities that we have to get together and just reminisce. And there's no pretending with these guys. They knew me in high school, they knew me in university, they could tell stories about me that I'd really rather they didn't, um, and I could tell stories about them that they really rather they didn't. Um, and thankfully we've agreed that the only time those stories will be told are at invite-only events, um, like my wedding. Um, so they will embarrass me then instead. I'm thinking about Proverbs. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about friendship. The book of Proverbs is the biggest collection of wisdom literature in the Old Testament. Uh, it's traditionally attributed to King Solomon, and Proverbs is an assortment of sayings that are meant to help us understand that there is a wise way to live and a foolish way to live. 
and that God desires to lead us in the way of wisdom. Therefore, the Proverbs touch on all aspects of life, speech, marriage, work, wealth, aging, happiness, children, and so on. And friendship and the love of friends is also a topic which comes up quite a lot. And in fact, some of the most profound things the Bible has to say about friendship are found in Proverbs. So Proverbs 17, 17, for example, the first one that Katia read for us. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. There is great wisdom here, isn't there? Wisdom that reminds us why friendships are so valuable in life. You see, a family is given. For better or for worse, you have a family. I say better or worse because people in your family may not necessarily be your best friends. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. When I was at uni, actually, there was a set of twins on a couple of the courses that I went. And the only thing that they had in common was the fact that they looked the same. You could not have met two different set of guys in humor, in interests, in style, and they did not get on. You did not want to be in the group work session with them because you were not going to get any work, any work done whatsoever. Not that I did any work in a group work session anyway, but that's another matter. But one of the days that we were in a tutorial with them and just waiting for the other brother to arrive, the brother got a phone call and said that his twin had broken his arm and he ran off to go and help. And when he came back, we joked, was like, we didn't think you liked your brother enough to go and help him. We thought you'd have left him. And he said, well, I might not like him, but I still love him. His brother was in trouble and he helped him out because that's what family does. We're thrown together at birth and those bonds are pretty permanent which means that even if we don't like each other much, we're still gonna be there for one another in times of trouble. Uh, Tim Keller, who many of you know is a pastor from New York, um, has a lot of teaching on friendship and I've been reading a lot of that and has influenced me about what I'm sharing with you this morning. And he points out that friendships may be the only relationship in our lives that aren't forced on us. We must have romance, for example. Our species wouldn't survive if we did not find uh, partners of the opposite sex. You would never have been born if there was not two people somewhere who had a little bit of romance. We also must have family in some way. A newborn can't survive on their own unless there is some sort of family around them to nurture them, to maturity. And we also need on some level neighbors. We need some level of commerce and education and politics to manage life in the world. There might be a few of us who could be completely self-sufficient and survive. I'm certainly not one of us and I think most of the seven billion of us, however, couldn't be self-sufficient and survive. So romance, family, and neighbors, their relationships are somewhat mandatory. But friendship, Keller says, is optional. You can live without friendship. And in fact, many people do. It's just not wise to do so. Because without friends, life, without friends, life will be tragically incomplete. That's because friendship brings something that these other relationships just can't bring. And before I talk about what that is, let me say a word about how we, fi- about how we find friendship. Proverbs 27.9 puts it this way, perfume and incense brings joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. The word pleasantness in this text means sweetness and in those days quite often associated with honey. Because in biblical times, if you wanted a sweet treat, if you wanted sweet food, you had to go and find the honey. There was no processed sugar back then, nothing that you could use to make sweet food. You couldn't go just grab a can of Coca-Cola. Sweetness had to be discovered. 
in a hive somewhere up a tree. That made it incredibly valuable. In a similar way, friendship just can't be created, only discovered. In other words, you can't just decide to make friends with any one person you meet on the street. With lots of other people, friendship, with lots of people, friendship simply won't be possible between two of you. Friendship is only really possible when two people discover that there is something between them and which they are already have in common. For example, when I was at uni, I started uni and when I went to the Freshers' Fair, I got involved in some of the societies there. And one of them was the Malt Whiskey Society. And it was great. And throughout my four years at uni, I got to spend time with these guys. I became involved in it and I became good friends with them because we had a shared affinity for whiskey and also usually deep fried foods after the whiskey, which sparked a connection between us. And in the same way, some of my closest friends are those I grew up going to SU camps with because we discovered a shared affinity for different things. And foremost in role, we discovered a shared affinity for our love of Christ and we became good friends, solid friends and we still are today. And that's how friendship works, isn't it? We discover something we share, and the friendship begins. It's maybe why sometimes siblings aren't always the best of friends. Just, just because you're a sibling doesn't mean you share anything more than DNA. As C.S. Lewis once said, those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. But when we do share something, and when we do discover we are headed in the same direction, a friendship is born. And think about the good friends you may have in your life. Those friendships likely began after a discovery was made that the two of you shared something significant in common. And even though the foundation of friendship must be discovered, however, the foundation must be built upon for the friendship to become something worthwhile. And this is where I think Tim Keller has been especially useful, especially for me, as he puts it, you know you have not only discovered but built a true friendship when you find a friend who always lets you in and never lets you down. To begin with, to begin with a true friend always lets you in. Again, Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 declares, a friend loves you at all times. In other words, when things are going poorly, when everything's gone to pot, a friend is just as faithful to you as when things were going well. I'm sure many of us have experienced times of struggle, times of trial, which have revealed to us those true friends. Maybe some we thought of as true friends stopped coming by, whereas others who we thought only as mere acquaintances really stepped up and, and supported us. You see, during those hard times, your acquaintances will tell you, call me and let me know if you need anything, whereas your friends will just show up whether you would want them to or not. And how many friends do you think you have like this? Friends who will always let you in. And are you this sort of friend to others? These are questions worth asking, even if we don't much like the answers. And secondly, a true friend will never let you down. Part of what this means is that people in your life who are truly your friends are the people who are willing to tell you the truth when the truth isn't something you'd necessarily want to hear. There's maybe a persuasive and unhelpful idea in our culture that true love only shows itself in tolerance. No matter what you do, if I love you, I need to say that that's okay. Every kid will need a participation trophy, no matter how he or she performs on the field. And to some extent, I get that. We don't want to go around offering our critiques to everybody we meet. That's not going to be helpful. 
The problem is, I think that I need, and I would hope, and I think most people do, at least a few people in my life who are willing to speak the truth to me even when I really don't want to hear it. Proverbs 27, 5, 6 puts it this way. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Imagine the scenario, if you'd like, of me. Let's say ambition has got, really gotten a hold of me. I'm pouring everything into my work because my career has become an idol for me. My whole identity, my whole security, and meaning in life has been wrapped up in a job. In response, maybe lots of people are going to praise me for my sacrifice, even people who see the damage my ambition is causing to my family and my health will not choose not to say anything to me other than to praise me for my success. Their words, you might say, are kisses from an enemy. It's in this that I find out who my true friends are. It is a friend who will lovingly but bluntly confront me and tell me, Jacob, stop it, you're being an idiot. You're wrecking your relationships. Your family hasn't seen you. Your health is going down the toilet. You have made success in your career far too important. Now, there is a very good chance I'm not going to receive those words well. They're going to feel like wounds. In fact, and so much so that I might actually walk away from them. Walk away from the friend that's saying that. But like a surgeon who is willing to cause pain with their scalpel to cut into their patient and remove a life-threatening tumour... My friend is willing to cause pain to me and to him for the sake of my ultimate well-being. This is the person who who had decided that my well-being is even more important than our friendship. And so he would be willing to sacrifice the latter for the former. So let me ask you this again. How many friends do you have like this? Friends who never let you down? And are you the sort of friend to others? Someone who is willing to speak even hard words of truth in love? Do you value your friends even more than your friendship? Again, questions worth asking, but questions which we might not like the answers to. We won't like the answers, and truth is, lots of us in this room may be wondering right about now if we have any true friends. People who always let us in and never let us down. And even when we find these friends, the transient nature of our culture often separates us by great distance. Like I said about yesterday, I hadn't seen a lot of these guys spread across the world because of COVID. This means that there are lots of us here today who are longing for these kinds of friendships. Longing to meet back with that one friend who's on the other side of the world. And I think sometimes that's maybe especially true for guys. And to this fact, lots of us here also have faced with the realization that we maybe have failed at points to be that kind of friend to others who always lets in and never lets down. Truth is, we often become so self-consumed that we fail to love at all times. And when it comes to being willing to offer trusted wounds to a friend, we too often become more concerned with our own discomfort than our friends. And thus remain silent. So in the end, we long for this sort of friendship, but we fail to find it in this world. But here is where the good news comes in and comes to us. In the end of John's Gospel, in the section where he records the night of the Last Supper before Jesus is crucified, Jesus says something truly remarkable to his disciples. As Jesus is sharing with these men and women his final intimate thoughts and instructions before he goes to the cross, he says these words to him. No one has greater love than this, 
to lay down one's life for one's friends. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. This is a stunningly remarkable claim made by the Son of God to his followers. Made all the more remarkable by the fact that I think the claim extended not only to that small room and group gathered there with him, but it extends to us today and everyone else who calls himself Christian. Jesus speaks these words to people he knows are about to deny him and betray him and desert him in his hour of greatest need. Not a single one of them is going to show themselves to be the true friend who never lets Jesus down and always lets Jesus in. But it doesn't matter to Jesus. He's willing to die for them anyway. The friendship he shows to them is not dependent upon the friendship they show to him in return. And the same is true for us here today. Not one of us in this room has always been a true friend to God. Remember, a true friend loves at all times. God's only commandment to us in this life is that we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and love others as we love ourselves. We have not done so, and yet Christ dies for us, shows us the greatest love that a friend could ever show to us. And as we come to him in faith, though we have nothing but faith to offer, we discover that he welcomes us not only as servants, but friends that he has already chosen us before we chose him. God welcomes you as his friend, and not only his friend, but as as his beloved daughter or his beloved son. Christ always lets us in. He will always love us at all times. Christ will never let us down, either speaking even the hardest truth to us, but always doing so in love. Nothing will ever separate us from his love for us. Not our sin, not our failure, not our evil, nothing. Nothing will separate us from his love and friendship, except our refusal to receive it. In turn, because in Christ we've finally found that true friend we've always longed for by his grace, he can now begin to make us into the true friends we have always known we were made for. Do you ever have people in your life who claim to be your friends, but over time you sense that they have only sought friendship with you because of what they hope to gain from your friendship? When we were kids and young, it's easy to spot. You show up one day with a school full of bag of sweets and suddenly everybody is your friend, until the bag's empty. Or you get the new trampoline in your garden and suddenly all the kids want to come around and meet you until someone breaks it and then they're gone. Of course, this pattern isn't always easiest to spot when you're older because we still, we get better at disguising our motives instead of happening it all the time, but it still happens all the time. Instead of sweets and instead of the trampoline in the garden, they tell us how great we are or somebody to offer us a way forward in life or somebody to validate some path we've already chosen in life or somebody to make us feel important and raise our standing in the eyes of others. Can you see that when you come to know the enduring friendship of Christ, you are set free from all this? When my deepest identity and security and meaning in life is satisfied in Christ and his friendship with me, I am now free to be the sort of friend to you who is able and willing to value you even more than I value you our friendship. 
Knowing that I'm loved frees me to love in return. Knowing that I'm forgiven frees me to forgive in return. Knowing that I've been shown generosity frees me to be generous in return. Knowing that in Christ I have a friend who always lets me in and never lets me down frees me to become a friend who is finally able to do the same for others. And that would be my hope for you today. That as you go out from this place that you would be reminded of Christ's friendship to us, his love for laying down his life for us. And you would be reminded of what he gave for us. And you could see how that can be passed on to your friends today. So why don't I pray to close um, and then afterwards John is going to lead us in communion. Father God, we give thanks as we gather here this morning and as we think about the topic of friendship and the love of friends. Father, many of us have long, long committed friends who we have known since it seems like forever, Lord. And Father, we give thanks for them and the joy and love that they bring to our life, Lord. But Lord, we remember that when we are friends to others, we don't always be the best of friends. We don't always let people in and we sometimes let people down. And that is hard, Lord. But Lord, as we look to your son Christ and we look to the friendship that he gave to us by dying on that cross, by laying down his life for us, Lord, we give thanks for that. And Father, as we think about that sacrifice he made, Lord, let even a little bit of that be passed on to us in example. Let us be friends that never let anyone down and always let everyone in. That would speak words of truth, but that may be, that may be hurt in love. That would value those people over those friendships who care more for the people themselves and their well-being than just our friendships and who wouldn't just care about our discomfort. So Lord, as we think about that now, as we go into communion, Lord, as we think about your sacrifice and as Jesus sat around that table that night and broke, his, broke the bread and gave the wine and thought about the sacrifice, Lord, let us be with that and let us reflect upon that this morning. In your son's precious name, amen.